0: Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Pele with the Big Ticket Clients Podcast. And it is my pleasure to have as our guest today, an expert in the field of performance management and quality in organizations, Mr. Henry Schneider. How are you today, sir? Oh,
1: I'm fine. Thank you.
0: All right. Well, Henry, you know, we're going to have some time to really visit. We want to get to know about you. You know, one thing about the Big Ticket Clients Podcast is that we want to interview and hear from people who who are reaching out and working with big-ticket clients. And you certainly have done a lot of that, especially with some of the clients that you've saved millions of dollars. And we'll talk about that a little bit later. But I want to give you the platform to tell us exactly what you do and who your ideal clients are.
1: All right. So um, let's see, where to start? Well, uh, okay, I, I own a boutique consulting company that um, works with clients in a variety of industry sectors to look at what how they can improve what they're doing internally to achieve their business goals and objectives and grow and become profitable. Wow! So, so you you you're saying that
0: just in your own relatively small boutique firm, you're able to reach big ticket clients that are you know, and you're saving them money in the range of $20 million, because I know that's one of the examples we're going to discuss. And you're doing this in your own small firm. That is an achievement. Can you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. Okay. Well, it's it's done through a series of either, I call it ACT, appraisals, consulting, and training. Okay. And so when you act with me, I come in and I look internally at you, you interview a bunch of people, find out, how things are really working as opposed to what you think is going on. Uh Identify where you need to devote your time and attention to fixing it so you can grow and mature your business. And if there's any specialized training that needs to go along, because a lot of times there's topics where you just don't know what to do or how to do it, and I can fill that gap. Wow, that is very cool. And you know, you've just, you've just brought up
0: an acronym that I also have in my own business, in the lead generation and marketing world. ACT for me stands for taking action, doing it within a community, and then tracking your results. So we're going to have to go talk about copyrights, right? <laughs> no, that's really cool that you've got that acronym. I, I enjoyed that. So, so Henry, let, let's talk a little bit about the context that your ideal clients find themselves in. Now I assume these are anywhere from medium to very large companies. Is that correct?
1: Correct. Yes.
0: So, so, so how do they find themselves in these problems in the first place before they need your services? What state are they in when you
1: show up? Well, you know, it varies It all. It depends. I mean, some companies are just, they realize, well, something's not right, but I don't know what (laughs) it is. Yeah. You know, like I know my parents used to say, I say, I don't feel good. And I say, what doesn't feel good? And I say, me. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> and That doesn't help. But it's like, you know, if you can sense there's something not is out of whack, but you don't know where to devote your attention. That's one step. Other times they'll come to me because they want to bid on a contract with the, the government and they need to be able to have demonstrate they've matured their internal capabilities. And so they'll ask me to help them out. And, do an appraisal to baseline what they're up against. That's really good. You know, because you, you
0: mentioned, um, the word capabilities and I've been meaning to sort of ask you to tell us a little bit more about what you call the maturing business capability. I know that it has something to do with internal capabilities. I mean, if we think in terms of layman's terms, you know, Every company has internal capabilities, whether it's their employees, their processes, the, the way they measure success. All of those internal things have to be understood and managed. Can you tell us how you know, the average listener might understand what you mean by the, the business capabilities that you help with?
1: Sure. The, uh, there's four basic categories. There's um, doing work. Yep. There's improving the work. There's managing the work. And then it's enabling people to be their best. So DIME, D-I-M-E.
0: Ah, another acronym. I like that. Wait, wait, say that again. D is what
1: now? D is doing the work. Doing, and then I? I is improving the work. Improving. Uh, M is managing the work. Managing, and... and? E is enabling people to do their best. Wow, that sounds like even personal development
0: uh, people could use that one, (laughs) in in addition to, obviously, the companies you serve. But that's a great one. Tell us more about that.
1: Okay, so within each one of those categories is a bunch of other, you know, Mm sub-areas where you can look at. And a lot of times, if you break it down, the, the typical things companies really struggle with is estimating. Got it. And they don't estimate really well. It's, they use the SWAG method, which is you – know, they, they try to pretty it up by calling it an engineering judgment, but it's just a sophisticated guess pulling the yeah. number out of the air with no basis for what they're doing.
0: And, and SWAG, uh, I believe, stands for something, something, guess. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right? sophisticated,
1: wild, guess. <laughs>
0: okay, we'll leave the A out, right? Yeah. Sophisticated, wild, A, guess. Okay, yeah. I got that. Um, um, so, so you you're really in the business of, you know, you discover a company in a in a in a time during its process of trying to figure out how it achieves its shareholder or stakeholder goals, and they're running into trouble because of internal capabilities, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and you are able to come in, help them see reality, help them measure reality, and then turn them around. Is that kind of a good layman's yeah. way of putting
1: it? Yeah, and when you use the word turnaround, it's very good too because it's a lot of times there's companies that are in trouble and they're going to be, you know, they've got the um, venture capitalists who are outside trying to feed off of that yeah. and uh, they want to turn things around. And, again, this is a you know ripe area for improvement because it's not the financial aspects. But that's where everybody focuses. This is everything that supports your finance. I mean, you could be making money yeah. internally hemorrhaging and not
0: know it. Wow. Wow. So, so it, it's beyond finance. It goes into uh, what other areas might might get involved? Because you're right. Most people think, okay, our success is based on whether we made money or not.
1: Mm-hmm. What
0: other areas uh, should people be looking at?
1: Well, it's looking at, you know, where are you wasting your resources? Where are you wasting your time? And how much rework are you doing? Where mm-hmm. You know, you did something, and oh, whoops! that's all messed up. Let's we got to go back and try it again, and it's, it's all those multiple iterations. That's where all the money can be gained because it's wasteful activities that you're not aware of that you're doing wrong.
0: Yeah. Now, are you industry specific? I mean, are you focused on manufacturing, or you know, education, or I mean, is there an industry that is more uh, your sweet spot, or is it any industry?
1: It's basically these are common problems across all sectors, and if you think about it, this is this goes away. The, the basic principles go back to Duran and Dr. Deming back in the fifties when they came up with these the quality movement, and the U.S. industry wouldn't listen to them, so they went to Japan to help rebuild after the war, and Toyota blammed onto it, and that's that's why we now have excellent Japanese vehicles because of that. And due to their success, it all came back to the US. Mm. And so it's manufacturing, you know, software development is another ripe area because basically, you know, I was used to have training and say, okay, who thinks software development's an art? And you raise your hand. Who thinks it's an engineering or a science and hardly anybody raises, but it's, they, they teach it as a science and they expect it to be structures of science, but it's really an art. Wow. <laughs> yeah. It, it, interesting. So, Let's talk about,
0: let's quantify some of the challenges. First of all, if you could give us maybe one, if that's even possible, but one of the biggest challenges that you would say your ideal company clients face, and maybe if we can quantify that, like how much money would they lose every year, for example, possibly, if they just don't take quality and performance and get it under control?
1: Yeah, that's a difficult question to answer because you don't know what you don't know. If yeah. you're not measuring it, you have nothing to base it on. And so you don't know how much money you're posing out. Yeah. You only can do it after you take action and you can measure before and after and say, wow, I didn't realize it was costing me this much. Mm-hmm. And and that's really the, the one of the big problems is peop- the companies do not measure the cost of quality mm-hmm. or the cost of non-quality.
0: It, wow. So, so, Maybe Let's get specific on one customer. Now, in our conversation before uh, we started, you you explained to me about the one client you had that was able to work with a government client and was able to save or or gain, I think you'll explain better though once I hand it over, $20 million as a result of a few very strategic uh, 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 interventions on your part. Can you tell us the story of how that happened? And, you know, not necessarily who the client is, but just give us the scenario.
1: Sure. They they, um, they um, were, uh, I guess, a systems integration company okay. was supporting the government contract. And they had this contract for a number of years. And they were very good at it. They were able to quantitatively manage what they're doing. So they had very tight control over everything. But the government, you know, they started that whole program of busting things up and trying to Outsource project you know, work to small disadvantaged companies. Yeah, but the problem is is that those small companies don't have the expertise and the, the background to do this work without going down that same garden path to get there which takes years and years and years. Yeah, and so what they needed was um, that this a government contract you know, like, was worth about $20 million on an annual basis. Mm -hmm. And they were at at risk of losing the contract because Hmm. of that government initiative. But, you know, coming in and appraising them and reinforcing their value to their government client, I I was, in some fashion, I I don't know how much I was, but was able to help them convince their government client that they have to keep them.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and and it really it really was because you brought clarity uh, of sort of visibility into you know measurement and quality and and performance that they mm-hmm. did not have prior to you you coming on board, right?
1: Right. It, was, it clearly demonstrates to say, look, you know, here's all the success that has been achieved by my client in mm-hmm. support of you, Mr. Government Contractor, and look at all the value that's there and what and the long history. Mm-hmm. And, that demonstrated to them and said, yes, we better keep these guys.
0: Well, I can tell you that, you know, as a layperson person in, in your industry, at uh, $20 million is nothing to, uh, to shake. <laughs> I mean, it's nothing to discard. And when right. you're able to go to your clients, as I know you do because we work together um, and, and show them that, that proof of, of you know, uh, uh, success, you know, that that's really a strong differentiator between you and, who knows whoever is out there saying they, they can help with quality. You're really delivering a bottom line here. Now, given that, um, if I could ask you to take us just for one second away from your professional life. You know, okay. I'm interested, Henry, in, in how you became who you are. Um, yeah. you know, who's Henry? When, when did you wake up and, and get the Damascus moment that you were going to do what you do today? I mean, how did you get here?
1: Well, you know, it's, uh, yeah, there is a Damascus moment, but... When you reflect upon it, it's it's not a moment; it's a it's decades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got a time span
0: again. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah I, I, I talked to one friend of mine I've met. You know, we've had a conversation. He said, you "No, know, I realize that where I am today is a whole. the result of a series of decisions I made over my entire life. So, so basically, what I, you know, upon reflection, I realize it goes all the way back to when I was in fifth grade. Mm. And at that point in time, I realized I enjoyed being a fountain of knowledge, and I wanted people to come to me to ask questions about science and other topics where I could help them out. Now, you know, in fifth grade, you're not mature enough to understand all that, but that's where I think it started. And it kind of grew with me all the way through school and in my started work, and I... um But I, you know, I was basically, I worked at NASA for 18 years. Wow. So you sent some of those rockets to the moon (laughs) or or wherever,
0: Mars or wherever they're going now.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and through that, I mean, and working in the NASA community as a contractor was a wonderful incubator for the type of work I'm doing now because it was very structured. um, It was all based on data and science and analysis and all which um, I didn't realize at the time was very valuable, but, you know, it made sense to me. And I got involved in the quality movement for quality circles and total quality management. And then in the mid nineties, there was a big, um, there was a bidding on the space station project Mm -hmm. and the company I worked for was not awarded it. And so we were all given the wonderful opportunity to pursue our careers elsewhere. (laughs) <laughs> the wonderful
0: opportunity. Yes, I, I understand. And,
1: and with me, it was. I mean, I, I took the initiative to really break out of that mold. Other people decided, well, I'm too valuable. They're not going to lay me off. And they walked out the door with everybody else. But they also a lot of people took big cuts to stay working there because there was a dream. But I, I took the initiative to look elsewhere. And I went to work for a small shrink wrap software company. And the the uh, president, when I walked into his office, he recognized something in me that was worthwhile. Yeah. And he made me the systems manager of systems and procedures, and he said, you're a consultant. And, okay. <laughs> and And you can do this. And so then it was basically that's where it started. And when I started to, you know, stretch out of my comfort zone in that, I realized, you know, that's the who's right, and that's really what I what I ended up doing. And I went from there and branched out, and basically, that's where my consulting career started.
0: Yeah, and and you know, I think Henry, you are truly because I've seen you in action. I've actually watched you training, uh, you know, uh, you know, several uh, people in in, in in a large organization, you know it's obvious that you enjoy what you do you know i don 't think anyone can sit in any of your uh, your training seminars and not laugh about things <laughs> every five minutes so you know so 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 now that we know how you got here and kind of how your motivations uh, led you to what you do what what advice would you give to your client your ideal clients, the kind of companies you work with about how to avoid? you know, these big quality or performance pitfalls? Are there some nuggets? I know it's a huge topic and and I don't want you to have to oversimplify, but do you have any nuggets so that you could share with them that might be helpful?
1: Yeah, that's kind of hard. I mean, it all depends upon where the problems are. A yeah. lot of it is like, you know, I, I call it a 12 step process. The first, <laughs> the denial. Yeah. And at the, if most of the people are in denial. They have a problem. They say, you know, I'm real good. I've been doing this for a number of years, and I know what's going on. But it's trying to break through that first step, and you say, "Really, you know, what's keeping you up at night?" And realize there is a problem. Yes, and it's yes. about it. it's education is really where it comes down to to say, "Here are the different types of capabilities that you need to be concerned about as a business owner and a, or as director or a C-level, that really would help you move forward. Because, you know, you got that phrase, if you're not growing, you're dying. Mm. And if, if you are not growing, it's because you're, you've got things inside that are atrophying on you that you've got to really understand and strengthen. Wow.
0: And, you know, something I I, I really wanted to ask you, which is sort of the global... So the, the global viewpoint here, because actually you're in China right now. You, right. you know, I'm, I'm here in Austin, Texas, uh, the United States. You are actually in China, even though you live in the United States here. And um, I'm sure your clients over there uh, have similarities and differences with, with clients here in the States from a global perspective, how would you maybe give the same answer or, or, or what, what, what does globalization, if I might use that word, bring to the, the quality and performance challenge that you solve?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, to me, it's universal. There's no difference. Now, there may be cultural issues with the way people will talk to you about it, but the problems are universal. It's yeah. the same thing no matter where you are. And if I can would share, you know, I just wrapped up an engagement yesterday and talking to the company. And it's the same thing. Is that they have business objectives and they've got measures and there's no connection. Between them, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like, why are you measuring these things? You know, that may not be what you need to know in order to run the business. So, yeah. it was a big gap, and it went through this whole thing, a daisy chain, trying to tie everything together and said, here are the things you need to do so you can, it'll support where you want to be when you grow up.
0: <laughs> now, I have to ask you, how do you explain in Chinese the concept of when you grow up? <laughs> I mean, why well, you know
1: does a- that say? <laughs>
0: Do you speak Chinese or do you speak uh, any language there that, that are using interpreters?
1: I've happened to use an interpreter translator. You know, okay. I know okay. about six words and that's as far <laughs> as I can.
0: Well, you obviously have to communicate or else you wouldn't get your, your work done over there in, in China yeah. right now.
1: Yeah, that, so, I mean, that's another defining moment because years ago, this is like in 2002, the, when I worked for the, another consulting company, the, uh, one of the marketing guys came over to China And sold a bunch of work and he said Henry come over here for three weeks you're going to talk to three clients in three weeks no preparation but you can do it (laughs) (laughs) so I flew over walked into cold and just went through and bam 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 (laughs) there
0: you go there you go Well, you know, it's really been a pleasure to have this conversation. I just want to ask one last thing before we wrap up. And that is, if you had, uh, you know, one final piece of advice about maturing business capabilities. Again, that's a phrase that, um, you know, the layperson may not fully understand. But if you sort of spell it out and give some advice for anyone listening that may be in in need of that advice, that would be great. And then I'd love to talk about where people can reach you uh, on social media.
1: Okay. Well, I I would say the, the first step is to sit down and talk, you know, let's, let's have a conversation. So, you know, how's it going? You know, and you know, where, where, you know, are things working for you? Where are they not working and where can you do better the next time to improve? Yeah. And that, that's, that's probably the icebreaker to get started because you know, everybody, you know, everybody's, even though the universal issues, everybody's got different levels of stress and you got to figure out, you know, where to navigate this morass and find the right thing to do. So at the end of the day, just that human connection
0: of having a conversation is really how you get this whole thing on un- yeah. cracked.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Otherwise if it's just, you know, meet, you know, email or something, it's not going to work. You got to have that connection, talk to people. Cause that, otherwise it just goes and hits a wall.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for for this time, Henry. How can people uh, connect with you online? What is your favorite uh, uh, location for people to find you?
1: Well, they got both at LinkedIn and then on my company website at ppqc.net.
0: Okay, let me let me repeat that. So, if you're just online, just go to www.ppqc.net, correct? Cool. And then if you're on LinkedIn, you want to go to linkedin.com Forward slash IN forward slash Henry Schneider, and that's spelled H E N R Y S C H N E I D E R. Henry, it has been a pleasure to have you with us on the Big Ticket Clients podcast. I look forward to talking with you again soon.
1: Okay, it's been my pleasure too. Thank you so much. All
0: right, thank you.